Hi, this is Randy Randall of No Age and host of the podcast Hyphen It with Randy Randall. I want to welcome our newest sponsor of the show, DistroKid. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms and artists keep 100% of their royalties. Hyphenate listeners get 30% off at distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash hyphenate. Again, that's distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash H-Y-P-H-E-N-A-T-E. Go get your music streaming everywhere now. Yo, what's happening? Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Hyphenate with me, Randy Randall. Very excited. Uh, new year coming up here, 2024. Um, it's been a trip. I've had so much fun with this podcast since uh, launching over this summer. It's been about six months in now. I feel like I've learned a lot, laughed a lot, cried a lot. Thank you, everybody, who's joined me along this journey of discovery and growth. Um I'm really excited. Uh, today's guest is uh, Donnie Blair, brother to uh, Ruinous Media's very own Zach Blair with his Antihero podcast. Um, Zach put me in touch with his brother Donnie when we uh, <clears throat> were finished with Zach's uh, episode. He's like, oh, you know who you got to talk to. You got to talk to uh, my brother Donnie. He is a real hyphenate. And um, I started doing some research, and indeed, uh, Donnie is exactly that, 100% a hyphenate. Um, he is uh, a Taekwondo martial arts um, I don't know what you say. The master would be, you know, putting a, you know, diminutively. He's, uh, you know, a, a follower of martial arts, practitioner, practitioner of the martial arts, as well as being an incredible uh, bass player for the immortal '90s rock band, the Toadies, and um, super cool. But he's been, you know, he's played music uh, his whole life, growing up with his brother uh, Zach. So if you're a fan of of um, antiheroes. And uh, Zach's podcast is a great chance to kind of hear some stories from Zach's brother, Donnie, as well as, you know, Donnie's own stories about just, you know, just, you know, starving on the road and early success in the 90s and then just kind of powering through. It's really an inspiring story. I really, really hope, um, I know you're going to dig it. I had a fun time talking with him. But um, yeah, overall, everything's been really good. It's been a fun year. Really excited to uh, open up uh, 2024. I think we're looking to move the shows to a weekly basis where I'd have an interview um, up every week and then have the um, the follow-up show uh, kick off the week from, you know, the week before and then and then launch the new one. So I think we're going to try to speed things up a little bit here. i got so many good uh, interviews in the can already for 2024. Really excited to share those with you. And um, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to share it. Um, Donnie has a book, Donnie Blair, uh, today's guest, has a book called uh, Even If It Kills Me that you can find on Amazon where it's called, uh, the post uh, title is, uh, even if it kills me, uh, martial arts, rock and roll and mortality. So I can't, uh, can't thank Donnie enough for coming on the show. I'll give you a little bit of a taste of, uh, what's to come in our conversation, but I want to thank everybody for sticking with me for this, uh, you know, this first half of, uh, hyphen it's, uh, rocky, but fun and, uh, very educational for me, at least, uh, <laughs> launch. It's been great. Um, getting to do this with everybody here. And I want to thank everybody at Ruinous Media for helping me along the way and making making it really fun. And um, yeah, can't wait for everyone to uh, to hear all the great interviews I have lined up for 2024. So onwards and upwards, we will talk at the end. Thanks, Donnie. 
Hello, Donnie Blair. Thank you so much for joining me on Hyphenate. I'm so excited to get to sit down and talk with you about bass and martial arts. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, for, in full disclosure, your brother is Zach Blair from Antiheroes podcast, one of the other amazing yes. podcasts here on the Ruinous Media Network. Um, yep. And when I was uh, last speaking with uh, Zach, he was a guest here on, on Hyphenate. He's like, oh my God, you know who you really got to talk to? You got to talk to my brother, Donnie. Now, he's a real hyphenate. <laughs> Zach was thinking, he's like, oh, all I do, I just play guitar and, and talk to people. That's, that's nothing. You got to talk to my brother. He's the real deal. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. My brother does so much. He's got, he's, he's devoted his life to music. Music has given everything back to him. It really oh has. God, yeah. so, well, he's, he's yeah. a road warrior. I mean, dude, yeah. he is. He is. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, but he's devoted everything to it you know he's one of those people that's given it his life's blood his every day of you know since he's been alive and (laughs) since he first got the guitar and has not put it down and he's gotten it back thankfully that's wild well you're he gives what do you get yeah well you're no slouch yourself you started uh the band hagfish him with him early on you guys were still just teenagers in high school tell me a little bit about hagfish and how you got started as well um, we got it. Uh, we always had bands together always. Cause we were, you know, we would sit across from each other's beds. We always shared a bedroom also. And still to this day, <laughs> if we're hanging out and we get a, a hotel, we have to get a double bed so we can just hang out. <laughs> but we would sit and teach each other scales or songs or shit like that. And we just, uh, we always had bands and Hagfish kind of came about that we met uh, a friend of ours named Banning Lion to play drums. He turned us on to so much great music like Bad Religion and Descendants and stuff like that. And we kind of, uh, from our shithole town, Sherman, you know, Banning lived in Dallas. Like, Whoa, that's <laughs> it's highfalutin if you're from Sherman, you know. And we started the band with him and had a succession of singers until we landed on uh, George Reagan and uh, Tony Borsati and um, it just kind of it never took off took off but it did take us to the you know to see Europe we saw the world we were able to make our first uh, records with with Hagfish we learned you know it was like our college basically we learned what to do what not to do we and we found plenty of musicians who were popular these days pop musicians (laughs) who loved Hagfish they're like, wow, we loved you guys. Like, really? We didn't think anyone liked this. You're kidding me. Well, like, well you looked you so know, good in those uh, suits. You guys had a, well, had a look. Well, you know. Yeah. We did. And it was at that time where everyone was doing the suits, like the President's US, the United States. And we actually, um, our video for Stamp was going to be on 120 Minutes. I remember we were in Detroit. And we all gathered in a hotel room to watch it. We were the very last video of the night after the two hours and um i can't remember who the host was but he said uh to go along with all the other bands who were bald and wear suits <laughs> like present usa and said here's hagfish and that was no. it and they had edited our video so horribly that it was the worst editing job i've ever seen in my life they completely killed the hook um they didn't like the subject matter of the song oh. they didn't like anything it was horrible it was 
<laughs> so demoralizing, man. You would almost rather they just didn't play the video, just say no, we're not going to play it, yeah. than do it, than do you like that. It's almost like getting getting made fun of by Beavis and Butthead or something. You're like, this could ruin. Dude, it me. was, yeah. it was. Well, and we were on tour with Everclear at the time, oh. and they were in our hotel room. They were so excited <laughs> because at that point, Santa Monica was huge. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, we're we're stoked, for you guys. Let's watch this. Nope. Like, oh, boy. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know. it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up, though. I mean, you oh, my God, dude. We've, we've been knocked down so many <laughs> times and we're still going. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's it's all you can do. I mean, the it's not it's not built for everyone because a lot of people get knocked down once and they just they stay down. You know, and that there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, it's, but I think my brother and I are just, our, our family is Scott Irish. So I think we're just kind of too stupid to know when to lay down, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and then, yeah. and then why the, why the bass was, was Zach, you know, going to be guitar and he needed, were, were you, are yes. you the younger brother? You know, yeah. You're the older brother. I'm the older, you're the older yeah, brother. I'm okay. 18 months older. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, well, I wanted to be a drummer, okay. honestly. So I would, I had drumsticks and I would play on my, on our bed, you know, I would like play on mine, like along to like Van Halen and Zach had started guitar. And I think my old man was like, wait, you know, I'm going to turn this kid on the bass. Cause I'm not going to pay for a set of drums. <laughs> bass is way cheaper. And he they turned, they talked me into it. I didn't want to play bass. Like, I don't want to be Bill Wyman. I don't want to just stand there. And my dad was like, all right, I see you. Okay. So check this out. And he played a long distance runaround by Chris Squire, you know, I mean by yes with Chris Squire playing. And I heard that and was like, shit, if I can do that, I'll play bass, you know? So Amazing. I was like, all right, I'm in. I'll play bass. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's like, so cool. Done. Yeah, and, and Zach had mentioned that, that your dad was a was a local radio DJ, like a rock classic rock yeah. DJ. So rock was yeah, was yeah. The, the 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 coin of the land, so to speak. You, there was rock everywhere. Was that was that your yeah. yeah. Ray oh yeah, being raised. It was that it was um our parents were there was music in the house all the time. You know, what my mom was playing the Eagles or the OJs or soul. She loved Stevie wonder. She loved soul music. My dad loved rock. So they came together with Steely Dan. They both loved Steely <laughs> Dan. That same thing. They could speak that and turned us onto it. And just it, my dad even had like a, we had a game. We'd be in the car with him. And if a song came on the radio, we had five seconds to name either the song the name of you know the the name of the band, the name of the song, musicians, something about it. Wow, you know, were you guys and pretty good at it? We're great at wow. it. I mean, you know those Shazam, like the, the the whatever the game shows that they have where people guess songs. Yeah, yeah. If it's anything up to like I would say ninety five, Zach and I would kill it. <laughs> we would smoke everybody that's amazing just smoke them and can, I mean, and can you do the like yeah. the artist the album you know pr- who produced it all that stuff all the yep. all the liner notes i think oh all of it i think that's what we would do yeah, yeah. i don't know how liner notes work today i mean it seems i mean i put out records and we, we write everything down on there i don't know if anyone's looking at them but mostly stuff is getting streamed or watched on youtube and i don't know is there is there a respect for the for the personnel i always love to see what well, i loved when they did the what kind of guitar what kind of things you know what you know yes. all that well, that's yeah. how I, I knew what a Rickenbacker bass was because I remember getting the Signals album by Rush, 
and looking on the back and it was saying what Alex Lifeson played, but it said Getty Lee played a Rickenbacker 4001. So I was like, wait a minute. I saw that Chris Squire, because on that Tormato record, he it said Rick Chris Squire plays a Rickenbacker. I'm like, wait, I love both of those tones. I think I'm gonna like this Rickenbacker, you know. Amazing. And I was right. I'm in love with him. That's all I play. So <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> but that yeah, helped. Totally. And I want to do that whenever this record that we're we're about to go leave for in a few days to go make. We like to do liner notes. I think that's what people our age, they were they loved vinyl. They grew up with vinyl and reading where was this recorded? You know, mm-hmm. who did this, who produced this, you know, these kind of things. The lyrics. And it was we had to invest that time into it. You know, we had to flip the record over. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's a lost art or if it's just something else out there. It's, it's, it's extra material. It's bonus material. Maybe that's what they would call it. It's a extra downloadable content. Yeah. Now it's the, so there's some other name for it. Something. They yeah. would, yeah. but it's so analog. You, yeah. It's just piece of paper with pictures. You know, I mean, yeah. look at the old, look at the, how many times, or, you know, looking at the, the first suicidal tendencies record, you know, we would look at that so many freaking times oh, or, yeah anthrax or anything yeah you know looking at my war dale nixon was on base wow where they find dale <laughs> yeah. nixon who's this dale nixon you know, guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow he's so good he's great again you know yeah, but yeah that kind of crap oh yeah you, totally you figure out like oh wow mikey offender he played on dri and he was in these other bands. So it's like, who the hell's Mikey Offender? You yeah. know? So well, it was part of, yeah, that, that kind yeah. of thing. It was that thing too of being part of a culture. And especially it, it sounds like, you know, from, from my conversation with Zach, you know, growing up in Texas, it wasn't as though everybody was coming to you. You had to get out, go out and get the records. You sort of had to, you were, you felt a little isolated in the middle of the country. So this, these the ephemera, the records got played over and over again. The, everything scoured, the tapes, yeah. everything, you know, everything was read. It was devoured. We had to discover it, man. Yeah. We had to find people. We had to look out for people like and ask our friends, like, what are you into? Oh, man, I'm listening to that new Cinderella record. Next, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. going to someone else. What about you, bro? Oh, man, I love this new band Skid Row. Next, <laughs> you know, until yeah. we found actually, I think I wrote about this, but I've, I've told people when, when Zach and I were like 15, 14 and 15, and what the heaviest crap would listen to at that point was the first david lee roth you know eat him and smile mm. which is still an amazing record yeah, it's Steve I. an amazing record yeah, yeah. and yeah. billy sheehan and yeah. stuff and iron maiden and ingve malmstein that's what we were listening to and but you know everyone's wearing spandex and all that crap and i remember <laughs> my brother with the most earnestness a 14 year old that saw his life ahead of him he was looking at me we were talking about what we were going to wear when we started playing professionally, he was like, dude, we're, can I curse on this? Of course, please. All the way. Oh, <laughs> fucking good. All right. So <laughs> yeah. he was like, he's like, dude, we're, you know, I said, what are we going to wear? And he goes, we're going to have to wear spandex. No, like, no, dude, we're going to look fucking stupid. And he was like, Bob, we're going to have to, that's what we're going to have to do. And I was like, Oh man, <laughs> it's called rock and roll. Just, I was so bummed out. Like, I don't want to fucking wear spandex. And like, I'm going to look stupid. He goes, 
I know you're going to look stupid, but you got to do it anyway. He didn't ask that's the thing. He was like, he didn't say he wasn't going to look stupid. Yeah. He knew I yeah, was yeah. going to look like, stupid. Sorry. He was like, sorry I'm going to, he knew he was going to look okay. He was like, oh. I will go all right in anything. Then a month later, we got into Metallica. Oh. We we bought Master of Puppets. Thank and God. That was like, Black oh, jeans. God. We're saved. Yeah. yeah. They're still skin yeah, tight at that saved. point, but at least they were jeans and not. They uh, were. And not uh, tight. We didn't care. Wow. I saw Cliff Burton. I'm like, well, I'm this guy from now on. Wow. And what was he playing? Rick and Fucking Bob. Rick and Bob. There it is. So, exactly. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> well, there was always, I, I, I didn't know this so much, much later, but uh, Pantera was a spandex band. They were a hair metal band from Texas as well. But the kind of the secret. People, a lot, yeah. I mean, people know it now, but back then they played this place called the Electric Company. And they would do. God, they did Poison. They did all the hits of the day, but that's also how they got so good. They played all over Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, playing clubs for three hours a night, playing covers. Wow. But it's how the Abbots and Rex got so freaking tight and so freaking good. Then they started slowly putting in Metallica covers and Slayer covers and playing heavier music. And this is according to George Reagan, the, the singer and Hagfish because mm-hmm. he had a band called Scam that played with them all the time. Wow. And he was like, dude, he said they went away for like almost a year. They didn't play and everyone was wondering, oh, fuck a Pantera. They, you know, they couldn't, they didn't see them. They did nothing. Then in that space of time, they'd already done power metal and Selmo's first record with them. They went back and then that's when they kind of previewed all the stuff that was on Cowboys from Hell. So they kind of figured out, like, we've got to redo our thing right now. We're just going to step back. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to work on this. And it worked for them. But they spent seven to eight years hitting the shitty bars, playing the shitty covers of everyone's music but their own. But that's how they got so freaking good. Same with with Van Halen. or Similar. Maybe not seven years. I don't know how many years. Yeah, but it's the same idea. Every bar. I think, oh, no, same thing. Yeah, they played at King's X, all the good bands that got great later on. You know, they didn't have YouTube. They didn't have, you know, to get on Instagram and show everyone, hey, you guys, here's me doing this. (laughs) They had to go be in front of people and actually do it and have, you know, eight to nine, ten drunk assholes just staring at them like, make me happy with what you're playing. You're not by, you know, yeah. and get beer thrown on them. So yeah. they didn't know that. They couldn't do it. Those are the stakes. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. They sink or swim. Dude, Hagfish. Hagfish did it too. We went all over the place playing <clears throat> so many bars, so many horrible punk clubs before we ever really um, went on the bigger tours. But we'd already been across the country playing. You know, we would go down to Florida, uh, L.A., up to Chicago several times playing these bars and playing clubs opening for everyone and trying to make them like us. And if they didn't, it made it better because <laughs> most bands, you want to be a party band and you're like, ah, oh, we're going to get you guys into it. We didn't give a shit. Like, no, 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 no. We're not here for you. You're here for us, you know? <laughs> so we're going to do what we're going to do. You're going to like it. And if you don't, who gives a shit? Yeah. And it honed our attitude and it made us tight, really tight. Yeah. That, you know, when people don't care, it's like, fine, then we're just going to go ahead and 
play and we're just going to get better at this stuff it, to spite you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and you get that and your yeah. thin your your skin gets thicker and you just kind of cold it, it it's that pressure that can kind of yeah. really like form a band and a friendship yeah. of like there's that brotherhood of of arms kind of thing of going yes. we lived through hell and back we slept on floors we you know we all you know oh yeah slept in puke and yeah you just no, go through you, it and you make out the other side you're so much stronger for you it. know oh yeah yeah and that's and it makes you stronger and it makes you willing to put up with a lot more shit from everyone and everything <laughs> there's a, not a lot that's going to get to you after that yeah. after you've you know you've slept on the floor for five nights straight you've got to figure out you know do we we have enough money for a hot dog or gas. Oh my God. We got to do gas to get to the next gig. <laughs> yep. You know, yeah. you're tired and you got to do it all over again to people who don't give a shit yeah. and you do it. We used to have, we know? used to have those bike messenger bags. We'd go into a you know, local supermarket and the two sketchiest ones would, would walk one direction, kind of get everybody's attention going that way. The guy that looked the, the cleanest, he would go in and, you know, get the bread, you know, some, That's some, great. you know, all the vegetables, whatever That's we needed, awesome. he would kind of do that. And the rest of us would just look real, like real suspicious while that guy kind of cleared house, meet you back in the van. So it kind of falls around. Can we help you? Like, I don't know. Uh, what do we got over here? I try to keep everybody, keep up, keep them looking the wrong direction. And we just, yeah, you know, you had to eat, you had to eat. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't well, an you're option. You're eating for a few days. Yeah. Yeah. You're eating and you're okay. Yeah. And then you make it to the next gig and then hopefully you'll make some more money and find someone where you can stay. And then, and you feel happy. You've yeah. got gas in the van. You've got some food in your belly, and you've played. Yeah. And you know you're going to make it to the next one. That's you it. Know? And it's it's a good feeling. Yeah. Not everybody would think that, but <laughs> those people are at home, um, not doing this yeah. shit, and they're like, "Well, man, if if I just had my break, like, no, no, no dumbass, you, you got to make, make your break. Yeah. You have to do it for yourself. Yeah. I think that's what your no one's going to get. That's it what your twenties. No one is yeah. that good. Yeah. That's what your twenties are for. You're skinny and you're hungry and you mm-hmm. and you have all the energy in the world. You know what I mean? You're built. You're built for for that kind of life where you can really do that. And if you're not, you are. If you're not doing it, then it's you know. And you, but if you know, meaning if you want to do something in that world, it's you have all the things at your yeah. command. Get in a van. Go, go start playing shows. Do it like everybody else. You got a map. Right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, buy a maps go. And these days, it's even easier to do that. You have to have that drive. Right. And it's not it's not going to come to you. You have to right. go to it. it. It's just, and I think so many people these days see this shit that they think internet stars are made. And right. so they take advantage. They take for granted. When's everyone going to notice me? I'm just sitting here in my bedroom. No one's coming to see me. Where's no one's asking me to play exactly. the stadium? Yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've got, I've got a filter and I've said, you guys a bunch, when's <laughs> someone going to get their recording bill? You know, it's your boy. <laughs> Where are we at? But you know, it does happen. What the hell do we know? You know, we're, we're a couple of old farts. You know, Maybe it does happen that way. What do we know? This exactly. is, this could be the, this is it a whole new thing. Does. So it's, it's irrelevant. It no one does. cares what we think about the young kids these days. <laughs> they don't, but in the same sense, these old farts have actually been able to be in front of a crowd of people who don't give a shit that you're there. So when yeah. these other people get in front of a crowd that right. love their song and they don't know literally what the fuck they're doing, you know, yeah. that's when it's not going to last. Well, speaking so of which, like, you know, oh. when, when Hagfish uh, went down, that's part of that's part of the story, right? Of how, okay, now what, how do we get back yeah. up? What was your, I, I know Zach's story a little bit from, from our previous episode, but what, what was your side of the story after Hagfish went down? What was next for you? Well, I had, I was always into surf music at that point, you know, and 
I started a band called the Mag Seven with my friend Dan Phillips, who's in uh, True Widow. Have okay. you heard of True Widow? No, no. Great fucking band, and um, we did t- a few records. the The band ended up doing six records, but after a few years in Dallas and just not really doing anything, Zach was busy with Guar. You know, um, my wife and I moved to Amarillo, Texas, and then I started. You know, uh, Mag Seven again with my best friend Brandon Landelius. He joined, and um, I, I just left Dallas, but I kept playing music. I kept touring. We did Armstrong. We did Only Crime. You know, I kept making Mag Seven records. I kept doing it. You know, yeah. and going out for shit tours for not doing anything and not making any money. And we did a couple of Only Crime tours like that. A couple of Only Crime records that were amazing. Um, but, you know, Zach and I were in that band together. Then he got he got the Rise gig. Which, I mean, rightfully so. He deserved that. But it, I didn't want to be in OC anymore for a while. Like, I just, I'm kind of done. I don't want to do this without my brother. And that's no shot on anyone that was in OC. He's the guy that took Zach's place, Matt Hoffman, is an incredible person. Fucking love him. Amazing guitar player. So it wasn't nothing with him. I just... And it's my brother. So I went home and I wasn't going to play for a while. And then I heard about this Toadies gig and, you know, that was 15 years ago. So I think I got it. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you feel like you're, you're still the new guy. You're, you're the kid in the band. Yeah. I'm still the kid yeah. at 51. I'm the kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and what's that like now, now 15 years in the Toadies? I mean, I, I've, I've, I know the hits from the nineties. So it looks, sounds like they, yeah. they had their ups and downs, reformation. You come in. What's what's they it did. like? Yeah, what? it's amazing because I always, always, always loved that band. And even when Hagfish was going, and when we were starting up, and the Toadies were starting up, we would all, you know, play together. There was one gig at Clearview where it was them and us, and the only people watching each of us were the other band. <laughs> yes, you know. Yeah. So we were all friends. We played together all the time. You know, we weren't all call each other on the phone, friends, but. We were buds, yeah, you know, you knew each other. do shows yeah. together and talk and bullshit. Yeah. And before the Toadies got back together, Vaden, our singer, had a band called uh, the Burden Brothers with uh, uh, Taz Bentley that was in the Reverend Horton Heat. And Zach played with them for a while. So it's all in the family, you know. But um, I, you know, we, are, we were always just huge fans of the Toadies. Every time a record came out, we would grab it. You know, Hagfish were huge Toadies fans. And, you know, I already knew the songs by heart. I just had to <laughs> physically learn them, you know, yeah. which I kind of already knew anyway. And went and auditioned, you know. But it was a pick gig, and I was a finger player. I didn't play with a pick. And uh, I got the audition. And so Zach was up in Colorado. They were making um, Appeal to Reason. So he was like, all right, come up. Because Amarillo's only six hours from Fort Collins, where they were recording. So my wife and I went up for the weekend, and he worked with me all weekend long on the best ways to play with a pick. I had no idea how to play with a pick. So whenever I got the audition, their manager was like, hey, just so you know, it's a pick gig, and it's all downstrokes. Is that cool? And I was like, it's totally cool. (laughs) It wasn't cool at all. You know, I was saying that, but just... Sure. shit was coming out of my pants just like i don't i'm i'm not gonna get this i'm gonna lose this but i worked my ass off every day you know i would 
work at, you know, my job and then go home and practice for two hours straight, picking, playing along the songs, learning their songs, just trying to get used to it. And then when I got the gig, I still did that every day. I would still just play and practice to anything, you know, not just Toadie's songs, just I didn't want to know just their songs with a pick. I wanted to know how to play with a pick. So I just practiced constantly. And I didn't feel comfortable with it for, for a bit, you know, until it took a, it took a few years for me to feel comfortable. Wow. But that's a big change. Um, yeah. It was a huge change, but I'm glad I, I'm glad it happened. I mean, obviously I'm glad I'm in the band because that's been the best thing that ever happened to me, you know, playing with them. I mean, like just today we're working on new songs that we leave in a few days to go up to Chicago with uh, Steve Albini. Amazing. So we've always wanted to do that. Yeah. Cannot wait. And just oh, the songs, Vaden's, oh God, we're, the material we have and, and how we're sounding. We've been playing together for so long now, but it's, it's ramped up, you know. The intensity and stress is ramped up a little bit because with Albini, you know, you don't get to, here's the drums. Oh, that's cool. And then the bass. Oh, I got to go back because I, I biffed that. So we'll just edit that. It's not it, you know. Yeah. Are you go, you're going it, to tape? It's not it. You're going to tape all, all yes. stuff all the way through. Yeah, We're going to go. tape. There you go. Yeah. And he doesn't give a shit if our songs are good. He doesn't give a shit if we play them good. He doesn't give a shit. His whole job is to make it sound good. That's it. Yeah. You know, to make sure it's going to tape well. And like once it's, Hitting the microphone, he's doing his job to make it sound good. I respect the shit yeah. out of it. That's his whatever, aesthetic. Whatever so, you put in the microphone, that's your job. Everything comes from the microphone yes. to the tape, that's his job. Yeah, That's his job. Yeah. And so we're working now on, to the point of like bar by bar, like I'm doing a downstroke. And I'll look at my guitar players. Are you doing a downstroke? <laughs> no, we're doing this. Okay, then I have to do that. We're doing that. We're making sure we, you know, we don't, we're doing all of those decisions now. We have to before we go in. Yeah. So it's a lot of, it's, it's a good. lot of work. Yeah. But it's efficiency though. We, it's being, we, it's being a, it's what the professional does, you know? It's, yeah. You know, yeah, it gonna, is. It's what yeah. separates the professionals from, and not, I don't think, and some of the records I've heard of bands that have gone in with him, they don't do that, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, obviously, have you heard, uh, his version of a uh, cheap tricks in color. They went and oh, recorded no. in color with him. Is it great? It's amazing. Wow, I bet. Oh, it's, yeah. it's fucking amazing. You know, all those years and, later, they probably, yeah. And they've, they've just, those songs are so seasoned. That's always the hardest part of, yeah. of making a record is you, you don't, you haven't played the songs enough. You're still within the few months yeah. of writing a new song. You haven't lived it and wore it, wore it all over the world and played it inside out, outside with your eyes closed on, yeah. standing on your head behind your back, you know, and, and, but you're yeah. going to put it down forever. You know, that's the, probably the worst version. The worst version of the song you'll ever hear is what's on the record <laughs> by people. Even always. if they're really good, it's, it's only going to get better, you know? Yeah. yeah. So well, funny. we did last year we toured and we would play three or four songs a night. Okay. That's uh, good. New songs yeah. and just would bum. And we, and we would do it to gauge the crowd. They're like, are we boring the hell out of them? <laughs> what do they think of this? What do they think of that? And we got lucky. They loved it. So some, there's some versions of some of the new songs out there that we're going to do. But oh, that's, that's like three out of, I think like 14 yeah. that we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, so that's amazing. That's where our heads are these days. We're pretty excited about that. Very, yeah, we're very excited. So it's a 
It's very cool. It's amazing. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, we're gonna and then, uh, we're gonna be there for like oh, a month. <clears throat> amazing. Oh, that's huge. What? A, what? A, no, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just yeah. A, a month. A month working on a record is a great thing. You know, these days it's 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 you yeah. know it's hard to have that much time any, in any one place. Um, yeah. I was gonna start yeah, to talk about cool. um, about your martial arts. Um, you know, practice. Yeah. Where, where does it, where does that come okay. in? Does that start in the beginning as well? Or are we as, as a teenager or tell me a little bit about how you came to martial arts? Oh, it's me and Zach also. I mean, yeah. like, uh, or how old are you? If you don't mind me. Asking. Oh, I'm 42. For, Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, well, maybe but when you were like around the time, like I'd say like 80, 81. Mm-hmm. And that's when the whole ninja thing happened. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, Chuck Norris, all that kind of crap. Michael and Dudikoff. My brother and I. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. yeah. Dude. American Ninja. Come on. Yeah. All of it. And my <laughs> brother and I were like, Holy shit. We want to fucking be ninjas. They got throwing stars, <laughs> nunchucks, not nunchucks. I can't yeah. fucking stand it when people say nunchucks. <laughs> Wait, you I want to, I want to see the, the cartoon version. Hold on. Sorry. I'm going to jump in interrupt you. Sorry, but I want to see the cartoon version no. of the, Bla- the Blair brothers in a Texas suburb in the seventies <laughs> with rock and roll dad, um, you know, soul mom. Yeah. And then the two of these two ninja, like, you know, bass and, and guitar players shredders. You know, shredding it out on these. It was I'm, insane. I'm, yeah, I'm going to put you on flying V's and like an explorer of some kind, and then and then just the, with the mullets and and uh, you know a bow staff and some stars it, or something, dude. right? I mean, this sounds the Blair Brothers. This sounds this is a great. This got to be like a Cartoon Network show. This is amazing. I think someone would fucking nab it, and it would be. Right. And I bet it, as crazy as it would be, it wouldn't be a third of how crazy of how the shit really was to be honest it sounds amazing. but i mean yeah. you know zach and i both have adhd you know i'm not gonna sure. keep you know we don't belittle that but i mean that's how we were born yeah and so my mom was at her wit's end so we were always just kicking each other and arguing and fighting and wrestling you know we love each other but we were always wrestling because we were you know nine and ten you know yeah and so they saw this, like, wait, we can get them in Taekwondo and they can get rid of a lot of energy. Holy shit, yes, you know. And we got up to green belt and we, our teacher kept saying we were the best kickers in class. We were good. We would go home. We did the same thing that we did later on with music. We went home. We practiced our, our forms. We practiced our kicks, punches, everything. We were always practicing. That's just how we are. If we're going to do something... We're going to do it. We're going to do it right. We're going to make sure that we've got it down, you know. But after a few years of that, of course, our attention turned off of that and got into music and guitars and stuff. And we stopped. And I always wanted to go back. I always wanted to get my black belt. I always felt kind of like not a failure, but it was just kind of a little like a hangnail in my life. Like, I could do that. I want to go and check it out. And the toadies had a break in our schedule you know we didn't have anything coming up for a while and so um i just kind of decided like i'm i'm gonna try and go back and get my black belt you know we don't have a lot coming up so i'm gonna see this through and i was 41 when i started and by the time i was 43 i'd gotten it and then after that i was just kind of I just loved it. I loved all of martial arts. I still love martial arts, you know, but again, ADD, <laughs> my attention wavered. 
And my friend, uh, Chad Smith, had just gotten his black belt in jujitsu. And he was our tattoo artist, my and my wife's. Mm-hmm. And he would just talk to me like, dude, come to a class. Like, man, if I get in a fight, I'm going to kick someone in the nose and break it. That's We're good. And I'm going to walk off. I'm not going to wrestle with them. He goes, you say, you say that you're talking a lot of shit. Just come to a class. <laughs> And he was right. I went to a class and I just, I fell in love with it. I really did. And, you know, I, I did that for a few years and I had a bad injury, had to take a bit off. I trained and did some other stuff as well, but as soon as I could, I went right back to jujitsu. And, and tell me a little bit about the difference. I'm, I'm not, I'm not so initiated. I, I know there's a, there's a wrestling form okay. and a, and a sort of more stand up sort of traditional form to the, uh, the Taekwondo, but, but tell me, yeah. Yeah. Taekwondo is, uh, you know, karate is, it, it's a very hard style. They call it, mm-hmm. you know, you can break boards and bricks with one punch. That was their whole thing is to basically, you know, do someone with one punch, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, Taekwondo was more just with the feet. Um, they didn't focus a lot with your hands and punching a little bit, but all of the focus was on your feet. And I've got a, you know, all of our tests, you have to break boards, you know, and not the breakaway boards. These were real boards that our teacher was going to Home Depot getting and sawing in half, like two by fours. They're that fucking thick. And to get my black belt, I had to do for each kick, two boards stacked together a roundhouse kick uh you know you had to do a tornado kick a side kick all kinds of kicks you know my left foot was killing me by the end of that test but i've got a whole uh uh, bin like a plastic bin with just all of the broken pieces of wood i got from (laughs) those tests and the kick that it was you know like roundhouse kick for yellow belt or this for black belt or something and it's focuses on that and moving your legs and just basically kicking in different ways, you know, and a lot of um, Taekwondo people will do, if you've seen them on America's Got Talent, they do a lot of really showy things and really high spin kicks and stuff like that. And I'm sure people think, oh, well, that's, or other martial artists might think, oh, that's crazy. That would never work or whatever. No, it, it, it wouldn't work. But the thing that would work is all of those black belts doing it. Know the really good, quick, simple thing to break your fucking neck with one <laughs> kick. <laughs> they might be able to do a lot of flurry of kicks to show off things, but they also know the one kick that will get past you and end you. So, yeah, but so that's the Taekwondo and it was fun, but I was you know, early forties, my hips were killing me. Like I want to keep doing martial arts, but I can't keep this up. I can't keep throwing my legs straight up in the air where, you know, to do this. So jujitsu came at about the the perfect time for me. And jujitsu is more, they call it the gentle art, but it's like gentle art, my (laughs) ass. I've been having my ass kicked for five to six years by my friends and, and women, and are, are the girls at our class are the meanest that we have ever met in my life. <laughs> they're amazing, but they're mean. And it's more of a, it's more of just using someone's body against himself, kind of like Aikido, you know, and things like, and, and some things of judo. But you're twisting their body very. Uh, it, 
again, you think gentle and it is gentle because you're not using a lot of effort. The black belts, the really good ones don't use a lot of effort to tap you out or to choke you out before you know it, you're out, you know, but it takes years and years of going really hard, really heavy to figure out that light approach, you know? I mean, it's kind of like when we're playing, you play guitar or bass. Guitar. Yeah, guitar. Yep. All right. So, you know, when we're, when we're young and we're playing all downstrokes, we all want to fucking be Greg again. Right. right? So we're playing so hard and all of that. We forget. And like later on, we figure out I can get the same kind of intensity. I don't have to punch through the string. I can hit it. It's still, it's just as intense. The aggression's there. I still sound like Greg again, but I don't have to just punch through the string. I know because I've been playing for so long. You've been playing for so long at this point. You know how to get that same uh, meaty sound without drilling into your guitar. You know what I mean? Exact same thing with jujitsu. Exact same premise. Yeah, it makes sense. It just takes so long and so many times of figuring it out and doing that, that you have to literally just get your ass kicked thousands of times <laughs> and have so many horrible roles where you just almost black out. And the other day I didn't think my friend had it and he had the choke in pretty good. I started hearing robots, all the background noise. It was just like, all right, tap. I'm out. No, this is it. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> like are you, your head went down a little bit. Like, yeah, I think I was going out. So wow. not that. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. But it's the, great. the resilience, it sounds like it's just more of that. It's, it's, it's not just about strength, but it's about, you know, just the, the, the practice of, of doing it. You it know, it's, it's the same sort of you know, switching to picks versus fingers. It's like, okay, I, I can't, do it now but if i apply enough pressure and if i just over a hard you know go hard at it for a long enough yes. time you will get better the the water will wear away 100%. the rock you know you are yeah, yeah. every day mm-hmm. you get better every day and that's every person that does jujitsu tells every white belt like just keep coming mm-hmm. just keep showing up you may not think it's working but it's working and it's you know, you gauge your progress by not even inches. It's micro inches. It's that small. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, today I didn't let anyone pass me. Did you get tapped? Oh, yeah, I almost shit myself. But <laughs> I didn't let anyone pass me. Or you got past one person, yep. you know. Yeah. Or you survived. You went in and you survived, you know. And it, it's that kind of a mentality. And it's just a – Every school I've ever been to across the country. Because when we're on tour, I take my gi, I take my belt, and I just look for a school, and I go, and I start training. Really? What, and, what's that like? What's what, I mean, what's your, your touring schedule? You'll, there'll be a day off, or you'll have some time in, or just you get in the morning yeah. and that afternoon before sound yeah. check. What does it look like? Yeah, if we have time, I just uh, there's a school I'm gonna go to in Chicago. Okay, uh, I'm gonna try and train there before we go, you know, work for the day. And it's one of those you show up. And make sure that you can come into class, you know, introduce yourself to Mm -hmm. the professor and tell them where you're from, you know, or whoever's instructing, like I'm from Texas or I'm this, I'm just touring. Would it be okay uh, to come in and train? We had a, or I do the 6 a.m. class every day at my school that I go to in Amarillo. Uh, Ghetto, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Nice plug, you know. But, um, (laughs) and we had a guy that showed up and he was, he had his bag. And he said, hey, uh, I'm just traveling. Uh, can I come in and train? I'm like, yeah. 
he goes and comes back out and the guy's a black belt, you know, and we were leaving and he was, turns out even more, he was a trucker. He was like an on the road trucker. He looked up, found our school, pulled over, started training with us, you know? Amazing. So it's just kind of all shapes and sizes of people, you know, that you can go anywhere and you meet someone and you, you slap knuckles and do this <laughs> and you've kind of got a friend for life. You know what I mean? You really do. Because you speak they the same understand. language. Yeah. You really do. You, you, I mean, you might be from different cultures, different races, different communities, different, you know, definitely different religions and political theories, but none of that shit matters when you're on the mat. All of that crap is off. It's, you don't bring that shit on the mat. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's, we're here, we're doing this, we're going to sweat, probably bleed. One of us is probably going to go out, you know? <laughs> That's what you're there for. That's what everyone's looking to do. That's what you're yeah. there for. You're yeah. for that, uh, that kind of comradeship, you know, from complete strangers because other people don't understand that. But you and this complete stranger understand a hell of a lot more than you do with some of your closest friends. You know, it's a real... Intimate is too weird of a word. <laughs> I don't like using that sure. word for it. But you know that person has sweated as much as you. They've bled as much as you. And, you know, they've had the same thoughts that go in their head that they suck. They don't know what they're doing. Um, but yet they will get the smallest, you know, a huge amount of excitement from just doing one small little move correctly. Like, right. oh, shit, I pulled that off. And it makes your day. Amazing. So it's, it's a. It's like a mutual respect. Yeah. You know, it's. It is. And it's the same as with musicians, you know, it really is like so many people don't understand what we've all done. They think, Oh, it's rock and roll all night party every day. (laughs) Like, no, it is not. It's driving a fucking van smelling farts all day (laughs) and then trying to find a place to sleep all night. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. (laughs) A lot of, lot of, it's a, what is it? It's a, a hard way to make an easy living. Dude, it really is. And that's, you, you hit that crust and then it gets easy for you, but it takes yeah. so long to get, to get to that point, you know, yeah. it really does. Yeah. Well, wow, it's incredible. Well, thank you so much. I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know you got a lot of work ahead of you oh, getting ready for this man. record. I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you having me. Oh yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Do you want to give out any uh, plugs, any social media uh, tags where people, where people can follow you, you know, give me shout outs. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, let's see. It's even E-I-I-K-M-71 on um, Instagram. And I just put out another instrumental record called Tulsa Doom. Oh, cool. Um, And my brother Zach's on it. Um, My friend Brandon's on it. My friend Dwayne is on it playing guitar. I played a lot of the the guitar. It was just songs I had. Um, I wanted to put out. And my friend Noah at at, uh, Otitis Media put it out. Great. On vinyl really awesome i love it so any surf nerd friends or anybody that likes that stuff they could check that out and i think uh toadies has some shows coming up if you're in texas we're gonna do corpus cyprus and uh a place called legacy hall up in plano this week and then after that we're not doing anything till the end of the year we're we're focusing on this record and then getting a figuring out a label who wants to put it out cool you know so 2024 so look for kinda, a new record 
Yeah, there will be a new record 2024. We're going to hit the country where, you know, it'll be the 30th anniversary of Rubbernecks. We've got some cool things going along with that as well, you know. So people will get sick of us again this year. <laughs> Layla. Not so much. Yeah. yeah, we're laying low this year. Next year, they're sick of us all over again. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Donnie, thank you so much for, for coming on. It's been a real thank pleasure. Thank you for having me, man. Awesome. I really appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you so much. Man. See you. Yes, there he is, Donnie Blair. How awesome is that, right? When do you hear about brothers in rock and roll that actually get along? I mean, we always know the stories of like the Gallaghers, you know, Oasis, the Black Crows, but um, the actual brothers who, you know, are able to start out playing music together and still get along. And you could just hear how much love, you know, they have for each other and the support they give each other this far into their respective careers. Really cool, really inspiring. It's a family affair. I don't know how the rest of that song goes, but something like that. Um, well, thank you, everybody. I will uh, be back with a follow-up with my good friend Aaron Farley um, in a couple days to uh, break down everything that we went over with uh, me and Donnie on this episode. But uh, I appreciate everybody for tuning in and uh, really looking forward to this new year. So thanks so much. Bye. Bye.